It is a blessing to be together as a church body, a church family, amen? If you haven't looked around yet this morning, this is your church family, this is your church body, the body of Christ, and uh, it is good. You, you guys are in a good place to be encouraged, to be strengthened by the Word of God and be strengthened by one another. Um, look forward to, to looking at God's Word together with you this morning. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you haven't already. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. The title of the sermon this morning is, Boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Shane, one of the pastors here at Rancho Baptist Church. Uh, it's a joy to, to bring you God's Word uh, this morning, His all-sufficient, all-powerful, and authoritative Word. Follow along as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, and then I'm going to pray for our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning what He has for us. Look at verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, you are God Almighty. We come to you this morning humbled, Lord. Father, we pray that you would make your word clear to us this morning. That by hearing it preached, explained, Lord, that you would transform our hearts and our minds to walk in a greater love and obedience to you, and then walk in a greater love to one another within your church, and to those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Be glorified in our service this morning, Lord. It's all about you. Life is all about you. All praise and glory and honor to you, the only King, creator of all things. Father, we want to make our boast in you and you alone this morning. So encourage our hearts, strengthen us by your grace, and remind us of your tender mercies this morning. We thank you for your wonderful love for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we must boast in the Lord. You guys have your bulletins with you, no doubt. If you need one, you can, one of our ushers will get one to you. But this morning, I'm going to give us three reasons through the text that we as Christians can boast in the Lord and not in ourselves. Three reasons to boast in the Lord. If you have your bulletin, you have the sermon notes in there. There's space for you to write your own notes so you can think on these things throughout the week. We want to be good Bereans 
we want to hear from the Word of God, and then we want to think on these things throughout the whole week until we gather each Sunday together. So three reasons to boast in the Lord. Number one, you have been called. Number two, you have been chosen. And number three, you are in Christ Jesus. We're going to see this morning that we, and even the church in Corinth, were prone to boast in their own abilities and walk in pride rather than humility. They, they sought this wisdom from the world rather than a wisdom that comes from God. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth who was struggling with pride and boasting in themselves and others. And then there were divisions in the church, even in chapter 1 here, in the letter that Paul writes to Corinth. Divisions in the church and folks were claiming allegiance to Paul or Apollos or, or Cephas or Christ. And Paul makes it very clear that, that life is all about Christ. And the church must be united in Christ and not these other men. He is reminding the church to be unified in the gospel, the cross of Christ, and to make their boast in the Lord alone. So Paul reminds them to look at the gospel and to make their boast the Lord and to seek God's wisdom, right? To seek God's wisdom. We live in a very boastful society. Would you guys agree with that? Very boastful society. I mean, you can, it's not bad to have your own YouTube channel or, or to, you know, to, to promote self, but it can be so common today, right? Social media, we care so much about what others think of us. You can promote yourself there as well. We live in a very pride-filled culture. Kings, queens, rulers, governments all around the world making a name for themselves, boasting in themselves to make much of them and their power put on display. Not only do they want power, they want prestige and popularity. People want money and riches. The church in Corinth bought into to this lie that those who possess power, prestige, worldly wisdom, popularity, those are the people who are truly godly. They bought into the lie that, that they must be, these people must be doing something good in their, in their power. They're, they're powerful. People are looking up to them. They, they speak with such, such wisdom. But the Lord says, I want you to boast in me. My church will boast in me. You can almost look at what the world says and do the opposite and you'll be pleasing to the Lord today. Isn't that true? You look at what our world does, you do the exact opposite, most likely you're aiming pretty well and to please the Lord. Our purpose as Christ's church is to worship and glorify God and to please Him and make much of Him. And the church in Corinth was tempted just as we can be, to rely on their own wisdom, not on the Lord. And in our text this morning, Paul seeks to eliminate all boasting except boasting in the Lord. And let me, I'm going to draw this conclusion for us. What God seeks to do even in our own hearts this morning is to eliminate all boasting in our very lives and in the life of the church so that we are actually boasting in Christ and in Him alone. 
the first thing we should boast in that we see here in the text is that you have been called. Boast in the fact that you have been called by God Almighty. Look at verse 26. Look at verse 26 there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers, sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But the first thing Paul wants us to do, and he wanted the church in Corinth to do, was to consider their calling. We must consider our calling and remember who saved us. And this saving was never our own doing. It's, it's a gift of God. Look at verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 2. Paul says this, To the church of, church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Look at verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and then look at verse 24 but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God so the first reason for boasting is that you and I have been called God is definitely talking to believers here the church He is asking us to consider or to think upon our calling. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you think about your calling and how God saved you? Do you consider where you would be if God did not choose you and call you to himself? Have you thought back on your life and the fact that you are now born again, that you have now been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ? And that, what a, what a free gift that is. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul incurring the ch- encouraging the church in Ephesus to remember their calling, but to be unified around the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. says this, There is one body, And one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. You and I have been called. Scripture is talking about the call to salvation here. In our our one hope, that is Jesus Christ. Is He your one hope this morning? This isn't talking about your calling and vocation but the call unto eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we must remember that we have been called. Remember your calling. This week, think about God's saving work in your life. Meditate on that. In other words, preach the gospel to yourself daily. Remember your call, preach the gospel to yourself daily. Go through a gospel tract, turn to Scripture that reminds you of the richness of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You might want to read something similar or like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. 
Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, no men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Remember your calling. Think upon the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Or it might be Second Peter 1.10 that says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which we've been called in Christ Jesus. God wants us to consider. Consider or to look at our calling in Christ. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you've, you've gone through the gospel and said, wow, Lord, if not for, for you doing that saving work in me, where would I be? Considering these things. Remember where you were and who saved you out of the pit and slave market of sin. Remember. Consider. So he says there in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, consider your calling. But consider your calling because why? Not by your own, you've been called, not by your own wisdom. Maybe that might work. There we go. You've been called not by your own wisdom. Let me tell you this this morning. You were not smart enough to come to Christ. You were not smart enough. And it says in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. We didn't see anything good in the cross of Christ apart from the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. It was foolishness to us before coming to Christ. And then look at verse 21. The world did not know God through wisdom. The unbeliever or unregenerate man or woman will not find God or know God on his own. You have been called by the wisdom of God and you did not discover this wisdom from God that leads to salvation God revealed it to you. God revealed it to you. Not only have you been called, not by your own wisdom, but not by your own power either. Not by your own power either. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 24, but to those who are called, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You were not wise enough, let me tell you this, you were not powerful enough to save yourself, nor are we. Salvation is an act of God alone, amen? The Trinity, the powerful Holy Trinity is involved in our salvation. God the Father's perfect plan of salvation being executed. God the Son walking in perfect obedience to the Father and giving His life willingly for God's praise and God's glory, and God the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of men and women to illuminate the Scriptures and bring people to salvation. 
God's power is at work in salvation. We can claim nothing in our salvation. All I can do is say all glory to God. All glory to God. You've not only been called, not by your wisdom, not by your power, but not by your position either. Not by your position. Look what it says in verse 26. Verse 26. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. And not many were of noble birth. Not many of you were of noble birth. We can't boast in our position or status. God is sovereign over our lives. You can't even boast in the fact of where you were born. You had no control of that. What family you were born into, no control over that either. It was all God's sovereign will and plan for your very lives and where you're at today. That's huge. Our position did not lead us to God. Oh, I grew up in America, in the United States of America, so of course I would have found Jesus Christ. I'm in Southern California. Of course God would want to save me. Our position did not lead us to God at all. God is sovereign in the distribution of his grace. He is free to save whomever he wills. So Paul is reminding the believers in Corinth that God saved them according to his wisdom, his power, and he is making the point here that the majority of the believers did not belong to the wise and influential in Corinth, which was a big deal in Corinth. People saw those who were wise, quote-unquote, by the world's standards. People would look at people who were powerful, who were rich, and think they must have it all together. And yet in God's economy, God says, no, I've chosen those who are not wise. You've been called not according to your wisdom, you've been called not according to your power, and you've been called not according to your position. So boast in the Lord. Secondly, secondly, you have been chosen. Isn't that amazing? Look at verse 27 with me. You have been chosen. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. You have been chosen. Paul mentions three times, God chose, God chose, God chose. Does that comfort your heart this morning? And whom did he choose? God chose the foolish. God chose the foolish. You have been chosen by God. He chose the foolish. There we go. He chose what is foolish. What does it mean to be foolish? The Greek word here, moros, where do we, what word comes to mind? Moron, moronic. Dull in understanding. Shane, that hurts. Lacking grip, lacking, having, not even having a grip on reality. He chose what is foolish. Thanks for the encouragement. In God's economy, it is encouraging. We'll see it here shortly. But don't we see this throughout Scripture? Even Joshua's conquest through the book of Joshua, a great military leader that God chose, 
And yet he tells them now to march around a city called Jericho and then blow trumpets afterwards. And guess what? You'll see my glory. The walls will come tumbling down. No military conquest or military strategy. There's, there's no one that would think about that, what God commanded his people Israel to do. And you think about Judges chapter 7, Gideon. God says, I, you have 32,000 men. I'm going to will it down to 10,000 men, and then I'm only going to give you 300. Why? So the people of Israel will not be able to boast in the victory, but that only God would be able to receive the victory. He also chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the weak. Not only did God choose the foolish, he chose the weak to shame the strong. What does it mean to be weak? To be without strength. Refers to a a lack of necessary resources. We do not have anything apart from Christ. Literally, without adequate strength, frail, feeble, unimpressive. Unimpressive. So God chose what is foolish and weak to shame the wise and the strong. And don't we, didn't we hear that from the Apostle Paul also in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. So that Paul would not boast in himself, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Paul pleaded with with the Lord three times, Lord, take this from me. Lord, Lord, what's going on? Take this from me. And what was God's response in verse 9 of chapter 12, 2 Corinthians? He said to me, this is God's word, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What was Paul's response? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. And then he goes on this list with insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. You have been chosen. He chose what is foolish. He chose what is weak. And God has chosen you. He has picked out for himself. This is speaking clearly in Scripture of God's elect. This was a highly deliberate choice with a definite outcome. As with the destination of divine selection for salvation, God says, I have chosen you. Now to be my son and daughter. Salvation was never a work of you. It was always of me. It is my sovereign choice. God knew exactly what he was doing in choosing you. But if you're like me, I think this morning I go, Lord, I don't know why you fully chose me (laughs) at all. (laughs) And I know it wasn't for anything that God saw in me but purely for his good will and his satisfaction and his choosing me for his glory. 
And for this, all I can say is thank you. All we can do this morning is make our boast in the Lord. For the one who's called us, not by our wisdom, not by our power, not by our position. For the one who's chosen us, he chose what is foolish, he chose what is weak, and lastly, he chose what is low and despised. He chose what is low and despised. Why? What do these things mean? Low can also mean low-born. You see it there in verse 26 at the end. He chose what was not noble in birth. Your status does not save you. The family you were born into, the low. But yet he also says the despised in the world, those whom I have chosen, those who are cast out as nothing, to regard something as as lacking any standing value. He came to save the lost, the sinner, the outcast, the outcasts. Jesus was a friend of sinners who came to heal those who are sick and knew they needed a doctor. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 32 clearly portrays this. After Jesus saves Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew throws a party for his tax collector friends and sinners. So you had sinners up here and then you had tax collectors, right? We're talking the dredge of society. Jesus comes and who is there? The Pharisees are there, the the religious elite, so to speak, of the day. And what do they have to say? They're like, this is wonderful. The rabbi's here, the teacher's here. He's sharing about eternal life. No, that's not their heart at all. Why does he, he speaks to his disciples, the Pharisees speak to the disciples. Why does your teacher sit with sinners and tax collectors and eat with them? And Jesus, before he allows even his disciples to answer, he answers. And he says, it's not those who are well who need a doctor. It's those who are sick. It's those who are foolish, weak, low, and despised. It's those who have been cast out from society. It's those that society looks at and goes, lame, when Jesus says, no, you're mine. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That Jesus would come and save the outcast. His grace and his wonderful mercy and loving kindness would be given even to, to, to where the world would go, yeah, them? Uh, Jesus says, no, I want them. No, I want them. Because not many were powerful, not many were wise, not many were of noble birth. And if you don't know Christ this morning here, you're sitting here, Rancho Baptist Church, if you don't know Christ this morning, I would exhort you to see the loving compassionate and kind heart of God this morning extended to the most vilest of sinners and repent and put your faith alone in Jesus Christ. Recognize that God has come to save those who are foolish, weak, low and despised. Essentially he came for the rejects and the outcasts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, so that no man might boast in the Lord. There's a wonderful parallel passage 
Brad Braley read that this morning. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24. Just as a way of reminder. Let me read this for us. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, not let, Do not let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices, what? Steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What are we to boast in? Not in wisdom, not in might, not in riches, prosperity, position, but let those who boast, boast in this, that they understand and know God Almighty. Do you understand and know God Almighty this morning? And we're talking relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing God through His Son, Jesus Christ, do you know Him this morning? John seventeen three says this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true and living God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life, to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is eternal life, to put your faith alone in Jesus Christ unto salvation and to live for Him, to boast in Him. 1 John 5, 12-13, He who has a Son has what? Life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. The message is clear from Scripture. God's Word is clear. Repent. Turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. For that is the only way you and I can be saved and have our sin forgiven. That is the only way that God could say about you and me, such were some of you, but you have been washed. You have been cleansed by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, boast in the Lord because you are in Christ Jesus. Boast in the Lord because you are in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 30. Verse 30. And for those of you guys who are OCD uh, with me this morning, you're like, but what about verse 29? We'll get there this morning. Just bear with me. We're going to jump to verse 30 first. And, uh, and then go from there. Look at verse 30. I was intentionally keeping verse 29 and 31 together, working through this pa- passage of Scripture. And because of Him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and rege- redemption. Why are you in Christ Jesus? Not because you are smart enough or strong enough or because you grew up in a godly home, which could be true of some of us here this morning. No, look at what Scripture says in verse 30. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. Because of God and God alone, you are in Christ Jesus. Salvation is an act of God alone. God alone saves Let's take a look at at more scripture that helps magnify this truth. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, a couple books over. You guys know this scripture well, but let it sink in this morning. 
Ephesians chapter 2. Remember, we're looking at verse 30 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Expounding on that more now with Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Because of Him, this is not your own doing. No one will be able to boast in the presence of God. Look at verse 9. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one will be able to boast in their salvation. No one can boast in their salvation. Why? Because of Him. Because of God, who has brought us to His his Son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. A beautiful couple verses here in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Look at verse 18. His first five words of verse 18. All this is from God. All of it. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We cannot boast in our salvation as if it came from us because it didn't. God is the author of salvation and He is the one who causes the sinner to repent and put his faith in His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can grant us faith and repentance. Listen as I read 2 Timothy chapter 2. Which, by the way, in a couple of weeks will be, Pastor Jason's going to be introing uh, 2 Timothy. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. Speaking of the Lord's servant here, he should be correcting his opponents with gentleness. Why? That God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. God grants us repentance. It is not a right 
that you have been given salvation. You did not deserve it. We understand that clearly through Scripture. It's a free gift. God's grace is a free gift. No one will be boasting in this gift of salvation. Only through Christ. And we are in Christ because of what God has done and we can take no credit for our right standing with Him. God has graciously saved us, hasn't He? Reconciled us to Himself and we cannot take any credit for our salvation in Christ alone. Now look at verse 30. Look at verse 30 again. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus Look at what he's given us in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. True wisdom comes through knowing Jesus Christ and him alone. Now we've received wisdom through Christ. So if you are in Christ, he is your wisdom. He is your wisdom. He chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He is your wisdom. We don't have any good wisdom apart from Christ and God's word. Not only is he your wisdom, he is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. Now now in Christ we are seen as righteous. Guys, I I still don't fully comprehend this, that that God the Son of God would take upon my sin upon Himself on that cross. Pay for my sin debt as if it were His very own, yet He was sinless. He would take now my sin, pay for it in full, and not only that, now I would receive His righteousness. That's amazing to me. That now I would be seen as righteous. Not because it's my own righteous, righteousness. The Puritans would call it an, an alien righteousness. It's a righteousness that has never come from you. It came from Christ alone. Doesn't that encourage you to boast in the Lord even more this morning? Not only has He given us righteousness, He has given us sanctification He is your sanctification. He's our holiness. And because God is holy, Jesus Christ was perfect, our Savior is holy, now He calls His church to be holy. He has saved you. Why? So you can go live a life on your own now? Thank you for salvation. Now I can go live any way I want to? No. He has purchased your life so that now you will walk in holiness. You'll be pure as He is pure. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about that. He has given Christ as a high price for our salvation. Then what does he say after that? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Now therefore glorify God in your what? Body. You are no longer your own. You have been bought at a high price. Now glorify God in your body. Guys, that's what God is doing in, in our very lives. He's making us more like his son, Jesus Christ. Now, either you're on board for that sanctification or God disciplines those he loves. And he will bring bring about holiness and purity in his children. Why? God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Those whom he saves, 
He has given all the power now to walk a life pleasing to the Lord. Those that he saves, he has now given us everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to now live a life pleasing to him. Not only has he, he is our wisdom, he is our righteousness, he is our sanctification, he is our redemption. He has redeemed and purchased our lives out of the slave market of sin. He has chosen for his glory and his possession our very lives. He has called us his very own And I love Christ's word on the cross before he gave up his spirit. What did he say? It is finished. The sin debt has been paid for in full. Now go live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And I've given you everything you need to live a life here on earth in holiness and purity. Go please me. Go shine brightly for me and affect a lost and dying world Share the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. With great joy, make your boast in the Lord in who you are living for now. Now, back to verse 29 and 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 29 and 31. Two words here as we look at the application this morning. So that, so that, Look at verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Why, why, Paul? Why do you want us to to focus on our call that we have been called? Why do you want us to focus on the the fact that we have been chosen? Why do you want to focus on have us focus on the fact that now we are in Christ alone and that is a work of God alone? So that. No human being will be able to boast in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You think about those religious elite during, during Christ's time, Pharisees, those who, who look so good on the outside. Pastor Jason read the scripture uh, from last week. The, these, uh, those who will stand before the Lord the day of judgment. Lord, didn't we do, cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do this, 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 this? Here's our list of what we did. And what is Jesus' response? Depart from me. I never knew you. There was no relationship here. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You were not redeemed. You did not put your faith in Christ alone. You are still boasting in yourself, but yet we are reminded here in Scripture, no human being will be able to boast in the presence of the Lord. There should be no boasting in Christ's church except in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul wants to eliminate all boasting in Christ's church. He wanted to do it in Corinth. He wants to do it today here in Temecula. No one on judgment day will be able to stand in the presence of the Lord. But for those who have been called, chosen, and those who are now in Christ, look at what verse 31 says. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You and I, as God's children now, are called to boast, but if we are to boast, we're only to boast in the Lord. We're only to boast in Him. We do have reasons to boast in the Lord, but it is nothing that we have done. It is all of God. 
We can boast in the Lord because he has called us, he has chosen us, and for the fact that those who call on the name of the Lord are in Christ and have salvation in him. Now we see in scripture, and I just want to hit on a couple uh, historical accounts here through scripture, that God is serious about his glory and his praise. He will not share his glory with another. I want to show you what happened to those who boasted in themselves or tried to make a name for themselves in Scripture. You guys, by way of reminder, will go, oh yeah. Satan, who wanted to be like the Most High, struck down from heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, like lightning from heaven, along with a third of the angels, making their boast in themselves, wanting to be like the Most High. Satan struck down. Tower of Babel, man, let's make him a name for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. God sees what's going on, of course. He knows all things. And he brings great confusion to them. Why? By bringing the languages so that no man may boast in themselves, but only in God alone. God's all about his glory. He's all about his praise. And that is a good thing for us. King Nebuchadnezzar, do you remember him? Look at great Babylon. Look at this kingdom I've made. Struck down, walking on all fours like a beast, eating the grass of the field. God will have his glory. God will have his praise. And he will humble the proud. King Herod in Acts chapter 12, do you remember him? The people shouting out, the words of a God. Look! What happened to Herod? He was struck down, died, and eaten by worms. God will have his glory. God will have his glory. We'll even see in future events things that haven't even happened yet but are, are told to us in Scripture. This Antichrist, false prophet, will make great boasts against the Lord. And the beast and the false prophet will be destroyed and God will get his victory. God will get his glory. Everything points to God and his glory and him saving a people for his glory and his good pleasure that we, his church, would not boast in or glory in ourselves, but glory in Christ alone. We have good reason to boast in the Lord this morning, don't we? Remember James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Are there areas of your life this morning that you are tempted to boast in your own abilities, in your own wisdom, in your own position, in your own power? Can a Christian be walking in a way that they are boasting in themselves and yet proclaim to be walking with the Lord at the same time? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1 as we end out our morning together, giving us a clear picture of where our society and culture is at even today. Isn't God's word awesome? You read a book, God's holy word given to us, and you read scripture today and go, this is exactly what's happening in, in our world right now. God's word transcends time. Because it was written by the one who isn't bound by time 
and his word speaks to every generation. Romans chapter 1. This is exactly what's going on in our culture, in our society, in our world today. Look at verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Is this not what's happening in our world today? Psalm 14, verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. Is that not our our world today? Our world and our society and our culture makes many boasts that smack directly against God's perfect order, His creative order, how He created man and woman perfectly. And yet the world says, No, 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 no. We're going to exchange the the glory of God and His truth, we're going to become more, more foolish. We, we want that. We're going to become more, more foolish in our thinking. We love that. We're going to push God aside and we're going to boast in ourselves and our own glory and our own power. And we see destruction that comes to them. Church, this week, Remember that our only boast is in the Lord and His wonderful calling. We didn't choose Him, but He chose us. He saved us. He ransomed us. He loved us first so that we might be to to the praise of His glory. And remember your security and salvation in Christ. You are in Christ and you have everything you need in this relationship with God Almighty. Let's all stand this morning. I'll stand this morning. Just some scripture to, to read to you as we end out our morning together. Let me remind you this morning, church, that you cannot humble yourself enough. You cannot glory in God enough and you cannot boast in the Lord enough there will never ever come a point in your life where you'll say I think I'm good with humility humble humble heart right now it's good I think I've arrived I think I've come to a, a, a perfect place where my life is giving God full glory and honor at least in this life we will be glorified with him with Christ in heaven for all eternity But in this life, 
Here's what Paul says in Galatians 6.14. This is for us this morning. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Amen? Philippians 3, 7 to 9. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Church, boast in the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, our Heavenly Father, we... We look to you, the one who's almighty, the creator and maker of all things. You have created man in your image. And yet, Father, we've sinned against you. And yet, Father, it was your work in drawing sinners to Yourself through Your Son, Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, His wonderful resurrection. Now, Father, You are calling sinners to repentance and faith in Your Son. Thank You for Your saving work. Remind us once again this morning, Lord, that our, our salvation is not a work of us. It's always and will be a work of you. Humble us, Lord, so that we might even boast all the more in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That the world may know that we are Christ's followers, Christ's disciples. Lord, because of our love for you and then our love for one another as well. Forgive us, Lord, for boasting in ourselves. Forgive our pride, Lord, that that sin of pride that so easily entangles, Lord. Help us to have our eyes fixed and focused on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this week. May we preach the gospel to ourselves daily, Lord. May we consider our calling. May we see the fact that you have chosen us And what a wonderful salvation we have. May we see the fact that those who are in Christ, in Christ alone, will not glory in our wisdom, not glory in our might, not glory in our position, Lord, but we will glory in You. Father, we need You. And we ask that right now, Lord, we would respond rightly to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be moving and working and transforming us into Christ's likeness so that we might be holy and pure, just as our Savior is. 
Thank you, Father. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for this gathering this morning. What a firm foundation we have in Christ and Him alone. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.